Do you yeah. think there's a point of like overconsumption of media, particularly, you know, like since we're studying film, like maybe watching too many instead of, you know, creating? Yes. Well, yeah, I think that's for sure. But I'm especially if like someone just is like, I like The Office. I'm going to watch it 10 times over. <laughs> you're just you're, you're not even watching at that point anymore. You're just listening to jokes while doing other things. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Unofficial Lost Year Film Podcast. I'm joined by Kristen Kinton Bradmayer and new to the show, Gregorio Jimenez. Say hi, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Shalom. Yes. All right. So today's topic is how to find your style. We have Greg here, who is very intriguing and unique in his style. <laughs> okay, so let's let's start off with you, Greg. Um, what? How would you say your style is? Oh God, way to put me on the spot. <laughs> um, um, depends like what you're talking about. Like we're talking strictly like film or like music too and stuff. Um, because you're all over the place, let's just go through everything. <laughs> okay, so for music, I mean, I'm classically phonium and trombone. I played jazz for you know the very end of high school, and you know I've been playing jazz for like the last you know four years. That's music wise. I've also been like producing like EDM and doing that kind of jazz, that kind of not jazz <laughs> for, <laughs> you know, about seven years. And I mean, I've worked live shows, you know, people like Mike Shinoda, Deftones, um, Doja Cat. Like I've worked like stagehand for those guys where I've even done audio for other people. That's just kind of like experience stuff that I've done there. I've film side. I've kind of only been doing film for like three four years pretty much you know college and at first i started trying to do like this overcomplicated stuff and that kind of taught me a lot because i was very limited because at first i was just like no i'm only going to use what i have with me and then eventually i was like okay if i actually want to learn how to do things i might as well use like real gear and stuff then i kind of got like this little mild obsession with gear afterwards and just learning how to use all different kinds of stuff. Like I've transitioned from like Nikon to Canon to Sony to Fuji and then back to like Canon and then Sony. And then specifically about my style, it's very influenced by the things that I do and don't like. I'm very against things I don't like, but I'm very for things I do like. <laughs> so if that makes sense. <laughs> so as for my style, I guess in the film world, the um, the type of things that I do are very influenced by like improvisational ideas like things that just come up like on the spot mixed with like a style of like verite i guess just very because i've done a couple like mini documentaries like here and there and i've done a bunch of like very observative type films where i'm kind of just sitting there letting things happen and just capturing the moment or if somebody has to do something like hey you're on the spot and you just gotta go with it Nice. How would you describe Verite for those of us who do not know what that is, including myself? <laughs> oh, so Verite is like this kind of French type of, I think, yeah, that's a French word, right? Sounds uh, French. Sounds, well, no, I think it'd be Verite. Excuse my French. <laughs> but it's like a style of film where it's more of just, you know, kind of like, I guess, in documentary style, it's kind of you just watch things happen instead of trying to like influence or anything like that you kind of just take the point of view like i'm an observer 
and for that kind of style like typical gear quotes that people would use or the more are the type of you would normally use like a type of lens that would give you like the same perspective as a human eye so maybe like a 35 or 85 mil depending on the camera that you're on it's mostly just about letting things happen and not intervening with it awesome that's awesome cool let's move on to chris and then kenton chris how would you describe your style oh man um <laughs> i'm mostly focused on audio for most of the things that i record in the film world but for the few things that i do record visually i find that i try to not like <clears throat> sorry i try to not um lose a lot of color is my big thing i think that one of the nicest things about the world that we can see around us is capturing like the different saturations and shadows and how they kind of play together and so i was a lot of my style in that sense is kind of revolving around uh bringing out the natural colors that are there and trying to downplay some things that may be distracting or making the you know picture a little bit muddier in terms of sound though um my main focus on a set is to really just capture the cleanest audio that i can and I know that's not necessarily a style, just more a sense of like professionalism. But <laughs> I do pride myself in being able to capture the cleanest audio that I can possibly do. Um, and so having a really crisp like portfolio or platform to stand on is something that I think helps a lot of uh, the back end of a film. So I guess in that case, my style is just as clean as I can get it with a lot of bass. Hmm. Okay, Greg just said that his phone just died for... Yeah, so I still have audio, I just don't have video anymore. <laughs> Chris, in terms of um, directing style, though, how would you describe oh, that? I mean, I, I mean, in terms of, like, story and, like, the message that you want to tell. Yeah, so I've done a couple films um, that are under my name, and they range from, uh, they range from stories that are very based around one object or one event, two stories that are trying to tell a story over a day or maybe a couple days. Um, and my directing style when it comes to the stories I want to tell are stories that usually revolve around one thing. I have a really hard time trying to say or tell a story about multiple topics. And I've realized that um, when making films, it's really hard to tell a really short story if you're trying to say a lot of things at the same time. So when it comes to directing, I try to give my actors a very specific goal in mind for each time uh, they're in front of the camera performing. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But I try to tell a story that is succinct to some degree, but also has a lot more nuance behind it. Great. Kenton, how would you describe your style? Okay, my style. I would say I like things that are usually like older so like period pieces in a sense so i really like that side of stuff and then i also really like sci-fi so my style i guess would kind of be to try and combine them both to give a viewer just something that they haven't really seen as much of so like a video game that I would use to honestly partially describe my style would be Fallout, Fallout series, because it's kind of like old timey stuff, but it's brought into the future with like all of the sci-fi things. Nice. I think that kind of falls over under more genre than it does style, mm. because yeah. genre classifies like, or um, that's the best question. But 
Yeah, I was going to say genre wise, that almost sounds like neon noir stuff like, you know, Blade Runner or like mm -hmm. a more modern thing like that, maybe Altered Carbon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But that's but... a bit more aesthetic than, well, I guess it kind of genre like, but yeah, kind of like aesthetic too. Yeah, but like that still makes it such a very, because when you're in that kind of neo noir feature, old fashioned sci fi, it does, or apocalyptic setting it does create a unique kind of um environment to be in or to try and tell a story in because it is very much of a, like a a warning tale or something of that sort it's because of a mere kind of like apocalyptic or feature type setting mm -hmm. okay. okay uh i'll i'll describe my style and then i'll ask a couple more questions for each of you <laughs> I think my style is very much more European than it is Western in the in the sense of um, trying to connect past, present, and future um, ideas into one person, or like the or the ideas of one person, past, present, and future, and this kind of interconnectedness between all the small things the large things i know that um a couple films that have influenced me a lot have been this really weird film that terrence malick made called night of cups <laughs> it's like this very controversial controversial film in terms of like critical review but it like kind of like went all over the place in terms of like cutting editing and like story like you know exactly get it and it's not exactly like the film that you sit in the theater and be like, oh, yeah, this is fun. It's very much like an engaging type of film that is much more serious. And John Huang showed me from, I think, Eric Hardy, like Great Beauty, which is an Italian film, um, like Landa, something. But it's at the or something, I don't know. But that is a really film. You guys should go check it out if you can. Um, Yes, so that's my style. But Greg, um, you go out and like shoot a lot of stuff randomly, and you try and go out and experiment. Like, what is your kind of motivation behind those um, those things that you do? Um, well, I mean, since we're talking about like influences and stuff, I'm heavily influenced by um, a lot of like really random stuff. I've watched like anime, but I've also watched random, you know, a lot of sci-fi and stuff like that. And I'm very driven by like aesthetics and like certain framings that are like in my head and have just been drilled in there by from like certain movies and stuff. And oftentimes it's just wanting to recreate something similar of that vibe or something like that. And it's not always like something like that but sometimes in my mind i'm like oh this kind of reminds me of this setting or this reminds me of that and that's kind of also how i ended up getting into photography too yeah how do you describe your photography um it's all over the place because i also do <laughs> concert photography i do street photography i've done portraits but um my favorite stuff to do is actually just night photography like night street photography kind of like mixing those two and that's particularly my color grading when I do a lot of that. 
it's very influenced by like the cyberpunk idea you know those um pinks and purples or blues and greens green and purple stuff like that like high contrast colors that aren't necessarily opposites to each other but more like in a y pattern in the color grade kind of weird but just kind of the idea behind it yeah tertiary colors are great yeah how do you just like carry a camera with you all the time <laughs> yes um you can ask Kenton actually. Um, even if I'm like working <laughs> at some event or something like that, I always try to have just my camera with me. Mm -hmm. like, that is definitely true. Or more than just one, probably like two or three. <laughs> no, no, I've slimmed it down to just one now. Ooh. <laughs> How did you carry two or three around? I have a camera backpack. <laughs> and listen to your school backpack. Yeah, actually, um, that's one of the reasons why I really like having like a hatchback car. It's that instead of having to open the trunk, I can just put my hand back over the back seat and just reach. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, okay, which backpack's heavier? Okay, that's the camera one. I don't need that one right now. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Oh, sorry. No, that was great. No. Uh, do you have anything else to say? I was going to say that or like I just recently got a neck strap i'm a big advocate of not using neck straps mm -hmm. but i started using it recently and it's actually been kind of helpful but at the same time it gets really in the way but i was going to say <laughs> like if i don't want to carry like the whole backpack i just sling that around my neck or tie it around my waist it's really weird tying it around your waist though <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move on to the next question genre so we, we touched upon it briefly, but Chris, how would you describe genre? Oh, man. Um, I think a genre, in its broadest sense, is just a predefined way that people have told stories in the past. So, for instance, if you're trying to tell a Western story, you think of a specific location, you think of specific clothing, you think of specific types of way people speak. And so it's kind of just these categories that stories have been told in, in the past. And when you are in a genre your film or your creation or your story is similar enough to that and has those elements to be classified under one thing. But like we were kind of touching on before, um, genres are very broad and can change and can evolve. And so you have noir, you know, of like a certain type of filmmaking. And then you have neo-noir, which is a very different type of filmmaking. So I think genres can change and uh, be different and be uh, interesting as time progresses. But in general, they're story categories that generally people fit into when they try to say something. Nice. Does anybody else have anything to touch upon that? Yeah, I mean, genres go as far back as even like books, you know, things like poetry or like different types of poetry or, or even, you know, music and films too. And I think after like one really powerful story comes about other people try to create stories like that and that's usually what i think creates the genre mm -hmm. because technically survival horror didn't exist until like you know zomb until a bunch of zombie movies were released and mm -hmm. even not even just zombies like other different little subgenres of that quote um what do you call it subgenre of horror started to pop up after or even around the same time like yeah. there was a boom in that uh what do you call it in that subgenre like in around 2008 mm -hmm. 
with like you know the rise in shows like the walking dead and all of the of the dead films and stuff like that <laughs> even though they Wars-y. were already or there was just like this big boom around then and mm-hmm. that's kind of like around like a little while after the phrase um survival horror was like coined but yeah little random history that's not so much that's oh my god that was almost that was like 12 years ago holy crap yep kenton you watch a lot of movies and yes yeah, so i try and consume as much content as possible yeah why do you think it's important to for for film filmmakers to know genre and to watch as much stuff as they can so you have an example of well for one thing just so you can see all the different examples of everything that has been created in the past but also for when you're trying to find your own niche in this grouping you have examples to choose from of what you like and what you don't like so you could say i really like this one scene from say arrival or something and then you really don't like this scene that's similar from Blade Runner, but you can try and find your own acute way of making it into what you want it to be by having more options to choose from in the end. Yeah. Do you think somebody who hasn't watched a lot of like content can kind of work their way through a genre or like how important is it really to like really dive into and study a genre? Um, hmm. I mean, there are definitely people who are really good without just watching stuff. Like, people just sometimes have really just good instincts on what they like. But I would say for people who don't have, like, or people who just want to learn more, I think they should try and watch as much as they can. Because, or, and watch it more than once. Like, I think you should watch every movie at least twice to actually get the full effect of it. Because the first viewing is pretty much just the story of it. And then your second viewing is where you see, like, so many more things that make it so much better. Do you think there's a point of, like, overconsumption of media? Particularly, you know, like, since we're studying film, like, maybe watching too many instead of, you know, creating? Yes. Well, yeah, I think that's for sure. But, I'm especially if like someone just is like I like The Office. I'm gonna watch it ten times over. <laughs> you just you're you're not even watching at that point anymore. You're just listening to jokes while doing other things. <laughs> I think that you bring up a really interesting point, Kenton, about um, what genres do. Because uh, the way that I think of genres is I think of I think of worlds that exist, right? Worlds mm-hmm. with very specific rules and very specific uh, motivations and ways that you know. If you make a decision in one world, it's very different if you make a decision in another. And mm-hmm. I think learning the rules of the world that you're playing in is very important to telling a good story. Um, if you're trying to te- if you're trying to emulate a specific world, um, let's say you're trying to be a fantasy world, right? Fantasy worlds have very specific rules on mm-hmm. how things are supposed to happen. And if you are trying to tell a fantasy story, you need to realize that if you say something in one way, it'll appear in another as long as you've contextualized which genre you're saying the story in. So when it comes to creating your own story and taking bits and pieces from multiple genres, in a way, it's very, very difficult because you're taking multiple rules and expectations and 
perceptions of how things should be and trying to put it into one story. And that's really difficult to kind of get all those worlds to kind of mesh together properly. So mm-hmm. part of watching multiple things and consuming it in a very analytical way is learning the rules, learning how to uh, learning how to understand the logic of these systems. And then when you're trying to create your own story, making a logical pathway so your viewers can see why a decision goes from A to B and it can be reasonable. I guess my one argument to that would be just the fact that some rules are often like unnecessary depending on like your type of story and knowing how to break those rules specifically. I know Mm -hmm. that I personally break the 180 degree rule a lot, but in certain types of storytelling and depending on what you're trying to do, that's a very, you know, common rule to break and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. more specifically, like rules within certain types of stories, like let's say like a tragedy, for example, your character technically always dies at the end, right? But, you know, what if he doesn't? You got to figure out how to do that and make it not seem cheesy or whatever and stuff like that. I think you bring up a really good point, like learning the rules so you can break them in really uh, powerful ways to kind of shape your stories is very vital to being a good storyteller. Yeah, because um, breaking the rules and knowing why you're breaking them is completely different than just breaking them on accident. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I kind of like learned the hard way in like a couple classes. <laughs> yeah, I think that when like at least writers or directors start creating a story, they it's it's I mean, I, I've read in like script writing books like, oh, you know, you got to learn your genre. Oh, you got to like figure out this. I'm just like, ah, do I really? But like, the answer is yes. <laughs> like, it's one of those yes, but no, but no because yes. I think it's well, one of those moments. Go ahead, go ahead, Brendan. Sorry. I think it's it's also like because I know that I'm I'm not gonna like write the first draft and be like, oh, this is fantastic. This is gonna sell. You know, I'm I'm, I'm it's not gonna be like that. Nor is it gonna be like. You know, 25 drafts down. I'm not like the most talented screenwriter who like just immediately like knows what kind of works because my style is very much different <laughs> compared to like a Western one. Like, you know, like you, you like watch a film and you're like, oh, yeah, definitely that, that like is, you know, but that, that works because, you know, they've done it that way and why would they do it another way? But then it's another thing to sit down and be like, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. You know, I think, and then that's why you, you watch a lot of content and study the genre because that's when those tricks and references come to mind and play and be like, okay, at this moment in this movie, like this happened, so I can play around with something like that, mm-hmm. you know? I think it's really difficult um, for a lot of filmmakers to really write in a genre. I really think that a lot of us, like you were saying, kind of like take bits and pieces from all these other like elements and we try to put it all together in one story and it's really difficult to like tell a really good story because you're jumping logic systems every time you introduce something. Yeah, um, and I mean, right now there's problems with under-specialization. I remember before people would specialize in like one genre, like some people would specialize only in westerns or only in like quotes noir films are only like in this type of thing like they would have like their own niche type thing but nowadays we see people you know jumping around and doing this a little bit of that a little bit of that mm-hmm. yeah but then that the, the question is like you know do you really need to be a specialist in one or can you like actually jump without having much trouble because 
we were talking earlier about like you know it's better to like specialize in one and know everything but at the same time like how exactly do you like find a job when you do this thing and then it's, it's really hard to transition you know to another thing mm -hmm. i think that's a really good challenge to a lot of early filmmakers is to attempt to tell a story in a very specific way in a very pointed way like not saying you're going to always do this but as a general lesson you should try to tell a story in one genre first try to tell a story that makes complete sense in one specific pathway follow all the rules of that pathway and then when you write your next you know whatever many scripts experiment around and jump around in different types of genres because i think you'll find that you'll learn a lot by being very specific first and then once you kind of understand the specificities of all the genres, then you can try to combine and see how you can weave all of these different elements together. Um, I think it's really hard to find a lot of meaning if all the things you're saying are super general. I think I have two, two things I want to add. Um, the first one is that, do you guys know David Sandberg? No. No. He, he... Sounds familiar, but I don't know. Yeah, he directed um, Annabelle Creation, another right. horror movie and Shazam mm -hmm. you know he, he's uh, just really briefly on his like story he, he's like I think Swedish came here or he made Bites, uh, a short film called Bites Out which you can find on Vimeo go check it out it's really great <laughs> and then that got him into like a meeting to create like a feature version and then he like came to LA waited the year before it was greenlit and then finally was able to make the movie um, and then he made Animal Creation I think another film and then he somehow got Shazam. <laughs> like that is like a great story of like, you know, he started out in horror and then he is somehow like able to transition into like a DC superhero movie. <laughs> like people always great. say that great entryway to the film industry is, you know, making a cheesy horror movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's not even cheesy horror. It's actually like a really good horror short film that you Go see online, and I mean, then the Annabelle creation. Not saying that's what kickstarted his career or anything, but um, that's kind. Of, I feel like that might have been what led into Shazam. I could be totally wrong, but I mean, Annabelle wasn't, in my opinion, that good. I was saying as a big fan of like you know horror movies, I'm not. I wasn't too big of a fan of like Annabelle or like a couple of the other movies in that series, but it was well made. I'll admit to that. And I'll just say that like if you're like an executive um, at like Warner Bros for DC, you're like, oh no, let's hire this horror director from Sweden, you know? Unfortunately, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like kind of question marks. My second thing that I want to add is, um, has have you all seen Knives Out? Yeah. No. Nope. Fantastic movie. Yeah. Okay, and we won't say any spoilers, but in that movie, Chris, it switches genre. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's not just a whodunit the entire time? <laughs> it's one of those types of movies that when you see it come together, it really isn't. It's really inspiring to see how well a story can be told. It kind of redefines how a story can be one genre and then shift to another. And mm. you can market it as one or the other, but it really doesn't do it justice to just say it's one thing. Yeah. So Ryan Johnson came from The Last Jedi. To this Chris mm -hmm. how would you say Ryan Johnson studied the crime genre as well as the detective drama um, and to like incorporate 
both of them into Knives Out? Oh, man. Okay. Um, I think that, first of all, he's picking genres that are adjacent to each other, or at least they're not as far apart as, let's say, a sci-fi and, um, you know, a noir. Like, you, there's a lot of genres that have mixed in the past, but I think there's a lot of people that could agree that some genres are very close together. You know, typically a lot of people try to throw in some elements of a rom-com into an action movie in some degree. Um, but in this case, I think doing a crime drama and then doing a mystery and then doing a, um, you know, whatever elements he, what are the elements he was inspired by being able, I think one of the things that made it really work really well and being able to work within genres is that he studied, it looks like he studied both very, very well. There's a lot of key tells in a lot of the scenes that give you elements of, Oh, this is uh, like a crime drama, like NCIS or like, you know, all these other like crime shows that are on TV. You have elements of that that pop up here and there. You have elements of a detective um, like Sherlock Holmes that kind of have this like mystery and intrigue. You have elements of uh, action and suspense that are just kind of embedded within it. And being able to study like what all of those elements are in those different genres, and then picking and choosing the ones that he wants to in you know incorporate into one film, I think masterfully blends those types of genres together. Yeah, I think. Um... For, for anyone that wants to like look at, at this more, um, there's a YouTube channel called Just Right, who did a like a seven and a half minute video on the on knives out fishing genres. And the Closer Look, um, the YouTube channel called The Closer Look did another um, video essay on uh, knives out plot twist. So you should go check those out if you, once you watch the movie. <laughs> watch the movie first, please. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to uh, watch the video first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, let's move on to the next question. We've kind of touched upon it uh, before, but let's just go through it um, a little bit more detail. Starting with Greg and Ben Kenton and then Chris and myself. Finding your style. How did you find your style? What inspired you? And what made you want to like go out and experiment if you don't have a style or a set style? I think just the fact that I just went out and did it, it kind of helped me figure out what my eye was and where kind of like it lied. It's just after a bit, you kind of just see yourself going back to some really similar things. And even if you try to do things completely different, you'll see that your composition might stay like a certain way for certain things. Or like if you, even if you try something completely different, maybe your color is going to stay very similar or even completely different. And it's going to be the opposite, but there might be certain things that will kind of stay the same way. And you're just going to be like, Oh, that's, that's something that I did. And other people are going to see it and you're just going to be like, Oh yeah, that's something, you know, Greg did, for example, or something like that. Like there's been some pictures where like, some people have sent me out like on Instagram or even like videos and they're like, hey, this looks like something you would do. I was like, it does. <laughs> but I would have done it like this. <laughs> do you feel as if um, sometimes, you know, seeing your peers go out and do something um, will inspire you to go out and do something of your own? Let's see. 
do you take inspiration from your peers or just mostly just like, ah, I just want to go out and try or, you know, I like this. Let's go out and do this. I get a lot of inspiration from being there, like with people. So right now, this whole quarantine has kind of had me like a bit like, how do you call it? But like in a low point, I guess, but mm -hmm. it's been letting me focus on like homework and stuff. But <laughs> definitely, I do get a lot of inspiration from being like with people. So usually when I go out and shoot, I like going out to shoot with friends. Um, I went to go shoot a lot with like, you know, Stacy or like Radon or Odessa, a couple other people from the film department. I would go out frequently or like a couple guys from like the film, I mean, uh, from the art department. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Joe or Curtis, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would shoot with him quite frequently. Actually, I took him on his first ever like street photography session and I got him into shooting video too. So it was pretty cool getting him to try some of the other stuff that was like outside of his circle of comfort. And then he kind of took me and he kind of started teaching me a bit about like doing like photography lighting and working with flashes and stuff like that. Stuff that I would normally not do. I'm more mm -hmm. used to like video lighting, like working with constant light and stuff like that. I would say what always helped me find my style was you're watching movies and then deciding what I really liked and then I guess trying to copy it in my own way. So like I would say probably my biggest influence right now would be the TV series Mad Men and then the movie La La Land just because I really like the look of those both of those two things and I like the style of it. So I just try and imitate that in a way. And that is kind of how I find my style. Mm. Have you watched any more of Damien Chazelle stuff? Oh, I've seen all of it. Nice. Ash I love all of them. <laughs> I think he might. He's one of he's definitely one of my favorite directors. That dude is quite something. That dude can make yeah. a scene look incredible. And I'll talk <laughs> about genre and his flash. <laughs> ah, oh, man. You like jazz? <laughs> Greg, how do you feel about jazz and whiplash and all the land? Um, I haven't seen those movies yet. <laughs> oh, man. You're in for a treat then. Yeah, people always reference Come on, Greg. show and like jazz band and stuff like that. So, or in jazz bands and groups and stuff like that. So it's people are always like my tempo or stuff like that. <laughs> my tempo. Or they'll threaten to throw a chair, <laughs> or like who was out of tune. They'll make all those references to the movies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just sitting there like I haven't seen it. All right, Chris. Oh man, okay. I would honestly argue I haven't found my style if I'm being quite honest. Um, I do a lot of my work and a lot of my learning when I see other people create work around me. And that is really, like Greg, one of the biggest motivators that I have is being exposed to so many different types of people doing something around me. Um, I take a lot of inspiration from former filmmakers or former film majors like Summer. Uh, I take inspiration from you, Brendan. I take inspiration from our friends, Eric Hardy, John Wong, Alex Gilbert, etc. Um, and just kind of being exposed to a lot of the different ways they've kind of discovered their own style has been really helpful in me trying to figure out my own. I wouldn't say I have nailed it down, to be honest. Um, but I think I'm trying to just be as open and learning as uh, and open to learning as possible from more than just filmmakers. I've taken a lot of inspiration from art majors as well. 
how they kind of approach and see the world. And I think the best thing that you can do if you're trying to actively search for your style is to be exposed to a lot of people and be ex- and then set goals for yourself of trying to emulate different things at the same time. If you have a goal in mind that I want to discover something, then you go and write something, create something in a specific style, and then do a different style the next time, and then do a different style, all while being surrounded by other people who are creating stuff around you. And I think, like Greg was saying, you'll kind of notice the things that you gravitate towards, and I guess that's a good way to kind of discover your style. And then once you've discovered it, you can do lots of things to keep growing it as well. Nice. Um, before I get to myself, Greg, and then Kenton, and and like ask answer the question that Chris just answered. Like, how does a film major go out and find their style? I mean, realistically, at the end of the day, your style is going to keep changing and evolving with the more that you learn and the more you do, the more you pick up from your friends and stuff. So your own style isn't necessarily like a style style but it's kind of like what you're doing in the moment and it's kind of like what's influenced you and what's kind of sticking and what will or won't through the future so realistically just gotta go out there and do stuff in my <laughs> mm-hmm. oh we always circle back to that yeah mm-hmm. that's the number one thing i think kind of going off of what greg said i think a really good way of finding your style would be to just take one day not thinking about anything in particular and just go out and shoot something and see what you're trying to shoot at the end of the day. And if you like it, then you might just find your style that way. That's an interesting idea. I like it. Yeah. Ryan, um, what about yourself? Yeah, my, I think I was talking about it earlier about uh, specific films, the Knight of Cups, the Great Beauty. I love Arrival. I love Blade Runners. Um, both of them, yeah, plural. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't watch as much stuff as I would like, or that I probably should. But I think that would be helpful for me to do personally is to watch more um, content, more videos. And that's my style in terms of. Ooh, Stanley Kubrick. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kenton just showed a collection of Stanley Kubrick movies. At least my style, that's my style in terms of like narrative. I don't know how it is in documentary or commercial yet because I have not done a lot, if, if any, <laughs> in those two <laughs> categories. So I'd be interested in actually trying those when I have the time, which is a great transition into the last question, distractions and obstacles for film majors in finding their style and how to overcome that. So- General ed classes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's go to Chris and then Greg and then Kenton. I think it's really easy for someone who's not going to a dedicated film school. Let's just say you're going to a university or a college that, you know, you have to take general classes, you have to take specific requirements, and you may have to take some like classes that are adjacent to what you're doing, but not quite, you know, where you're going. That could make it really hard for you to discover your style. Um, And I think part of trying to do that in the midst of all of it is setting very tangible goals to yourself 
and not just checking off a box. The, one of the biggest flaws that I have is if I, I believe that if I do all the things on this checklist, I will, you know, have a good product at the end. That's not necessarily true. You can check all the boxes and still have a really bad product. Um, it's when you are passionate enough and disciplined enough to say, I want to keep doing more. I want to do more than just what I have required for myself or what my school has required for me. When you keep pushing yourself to do more than just the base minimum, you'll find that you'll do a lot better quality of work. And by doing so, you'll eventually keep finding your style. So for students who have to take generals, who have to take other classes, yeah, you have to take those, but you should also see that you need to be also creating something at the same time. And if you're just, you know, allowing yourself to work within that system, you can't really expect yourself to grow out of it and discover anything beyond it. So work hard, work beyond what you're required to do, and uh, experiment a lot. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, going off of experimentation, I mean, my first few short films or videos for classes or even just in general were super high concept, things that I couldn't even actually fully film. And I would try to make it work somehow. And I guess one of the things I was going to try and get at with that was one of the things that I learned from that was the fact that you can don't try to be too don't try to be outside of the box. Try to be creative inside the box sometimes. So like, yes, we're very limited sometimes with what we have or what we don't have. And, you know, time is one of the big constraints because we're in school and stuff. So sometimes just getting creative with like the quotes easier route or something a little bit more simple will grant you better results and it'll let you think about something different and it'll let you focus a bit more time into certain things than it would if you were out there trying to film a fight scene with seven different angles and only one camera <laughs> you know stuff like that i would say just try to stick to don't get me wrong i'm not saying don't film what you want to film or don't shoot what you want to shoot. I would say shoot what you want to shoot. But realistically, like if you know you don't have the time for it, or if you think you're barely going to make it, just take it easy. Focus on what you actually need to do, I guess, if it's for like school or for a class. But for your own personal projects, definitely try to set out, you know, as much time as you want for that and make sure that you actually have that allotted time and some extra. Kenton. Okay, so hindrances to finding style, right? Or, or and how how to overcome those hindrances or obstacles or distractions? Like, um, I think going back to what Chris was saying about the classes and whatnot, or Greg for the general classes. I think you can also find very interesting things in those classes to make work from. To like, you can take a history class and learn so much and see that like half of the movies ever made are based on history <laughs> <laughs> and i would guess a hindrance would be just classes that aren't like that you don't think are important that take up your time because you need the grade for them would be just one of the main things and just having obligations to do outside of what work or what you would consider your work kind of yeah, takes but... away your time yeah i think chris touched upon a great way to overcome those hindrances which is actually set a tangible goal for yourself uh when you're because i know 
that's that's the whole debate you know like i think we were talking about earlier undergraduate versus graduate of film school is that in undergraduate you have a lot more distractions because you have um your general education classes your university requirements um you're much more uh in, or trying to prioritize you know your social life as well as um you know your student loans whereas in graduate school yes there are those things but i think you're, at least some of the, the distractions of general education and university requirements are taken away. So you're solely focused on what you need to focus on. And uh, I think Greg made a great point of, you know, sometimes you really need to just take it back a step and just focus on what you really need to focus on. Because, you know, sometimes people, I think people can be too ambitious, like myself can be too ambitious and try and go out and film this, crazy thing and just hoping it works rather than actually like making sure it works mm -hmm. and I think that's really important for at least undergraduate film students to understand is that they kind of at least I, I know for myself that sometimes I just like like I said I just go out and shoot stuff and hope it works and I think film students need to, I'm just repeating myself, but like, yeah, like kind of take a step back, study the genre, analyze a film that they take great inspiration from and understand how exactly it works and how it affects you. And, and then they can like kind of recreate that or even try and get that same effect in a different way or in, even in a similar, similar way. And then that's when they can take up their game to another level because they understand that and they are making sure it works. And then they can focus on being more ambitious and doing all those other things. But the baseline, they have to make sure it works first. <laughs> I think that's definitely a really good point. Like I think you touched on it as well as Greg did, where like you have like this big grand dream or idea that you're trying to tell or the story you're trying to record. And it's really ambitious, it's really big, it's everything you want it to be, but realistically, can you actually achieve it? Have you spent the time to write a script that is specific enough and is quick enough for people to understand what you're trying to say, or is it too vague? Do you have the capability and the resources, and more importantly, the time to be able to do a film like that and to make the film like that succeed? Or realistically, do you need to shave down a lot of your story to be very, very pointed and have a single point that is very easy to understand? And I think being a filmmaker is trying to do both and trying to nuance the, you know, when is it time to buckle down, focus on one story? And when is it time to push my limits, push my boundaries and be ambitious and try something new? And I think you have to kind of do both in order to find a very distinct style where you can nail it every time. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is, is that desired effect coming across? Because if it isn't, you definitely need to buckle down and focus on a more pointed story. And making sure mm -hmm. absolutely maybe, yes greg kenton you guys have any thoughts on that i think you guys have covered a lot of it <laughs> i think one other question i would have is when uh how if you don't have you know how do you use this time let's say for instance right to really discover a style how can you can how can you discover a style in our situation that we're in right now where everyone is isolated at home and you may have access pandemic to make movies. 
<laughs> you may have access to like watching a lot of content, but you may not have access to the, you know, to be able to make a lot of content. How can you discover your style right now? Yeah, I think it'd be a great idea to like rework with your old footage if you're willing to figure out a new way of doing it, which is would be interesting and in kind of like uh, pushing the boundaries of your style. In terms of actually finding your style, I think it is good if you just sat down and analyzed um, a movie that inspires you. Because, you know, if it doesn't inspire you, then you're not going to be as engaged um, right now. You can maybe watch that film later when you just want to uh, push yourself. But for right now, find a movie that inspires you and really sit down and break it down. Yeah. I agree with that. Like specifically for Los Sierra filmmakers, and you know, hopefully within the next you know week or so, they have the opportunity to do this. If you have access to film festivals, you should really watch a lot of those films. <laughs> and I think the best way to kind of figure out what works and what doesn't is to see and to measure yourself against people that are your peers. If you are in college, you should be watching a lot of other college films, just because it'll tell you what works and what really doesn't work. And when you figure out what doesn't work, you can learn how to avoid those problems. And when you figure out what works, you can learn to emulate those. Yes. Sunscreen's going on right now, and that's why we're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Rod sent us the link for that, right? To be able to yep. check it out. Mm-hmm. Watch some All right. Well, in that case, I think that we'll end the podcast. Thank you guys for coming on. Mm-hmm. No problemo. That's it. Thanks once again to Chris Sin, Kenton Brandmayer, and Gregorio Jimenez for joining me in this podcast. We were talking a little bit afterwards and we're saying that we kind of wished somebody told us to recreate something every week when we were freshmen because that would have really have helped us. Every generation gets better and better and I'm sure that'll be the case. Tune in next week for more podcasts. <laughs>